Uh, I was uh, thinking a lot in the last uh, several days. There's been a, a lot of things on Facebook about uh, all of the people who have died in this past year, all of the uh, stars and you know musicians and actors and that sort of thing. And uh, one of the things that Christmas season it's always important for us to remember and to think about is the most important death is the one who died that we may have life. Nobody else who ever dies can give us that promise and that hope of eternal life except Jesus Christ who died on the cross. So we celebrate his birth at this time of the year, but we always have to keep in mind that his mission, his goal, his purpose was to bring us eternal life through his death, burial, and resurrection. So uh, one of the things that uh, as we go through this season that just keeps going through my mind over and over again and uh, I just can't help but marvel at that and wonder and in awe of an awesome God that loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to come and to die on that cross for you and for me. I'm so unworthy of that and uh, so grateful. Well, on Tuesday morning, our men's Bible study uh, was in Philippians chapter 1. I'd invite you to turn there with me, if you would, uh, to page 1164, if you're using the uh, pew Bible or seat Bible uh, in front of you. Uh, I've got mine all marked with little slips because I haven't gotten used to this one yet and it's a little, little difficult for me to always find things. So that's why I'm telling you the page numbers it makes it easier to find them. Uh, so 1164. Uh, but as we were studying this and we, we were studying uh, verses 1 through 11, it really jumped out at me in a number of places there. The, the point that uh, Paul was trying to make in that section as he uh, dealt with this, uh, how important it was for this church, this group of believers who met at this church in Philippi, to grow up in their faith. And this morning I want to primarily concentrate on verses uh, 9 through 11, but I'm going to read uh, beginning in, in verse uh, 3. Paul is writing to the Philippians and he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge of all dis and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ." Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul is writing to the Philippians from jail. 
He has been imprisoned there. Uh, his accusers had not yet come. He's in uh, a jail or prison setting and uh, is writing. And one of the things that always strikes me as I read his letters is how thankful he is to the believers, but also thankful to his God. And it would be so easy, wouldn't it, to uh, be in jail or be in prison and uh, having been falsely accused, having uh, your accusers not coming there and presenting a case, you're, you're locked up, you're under uh, uh, supervision from a guard on a constant basis and you've done nothing wrong. And you can think about how angry uh, and frustrated that you might get and yet you don't see any of that in his letters. All you see is the grace of God just flowing out of him. And this letter is so full of that uh, as we read these things. In verse 9, he is praying that their love may abound more and more. What, what is the purpose of that? Abound more and more in the knowledge and discernment of God's word. He wants them to grow up in their faith, to, to come to a point where they understand God's word more and more and more, because with it they have the hope and the promise of eternity. And as they look at his life, they can look at that and say, well, here's a man who obviously has a hope beyond the here and now. Otherwise, he would be angry. Otherwise, he would be uh, cursing those who have brought these accusations against him and have him locked up. But instead, he has that great hope, that promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he doesn't care what's going to happen to him in the here and now, other than he, he enjoys having the opportunity to encourage the believers. But he's not locked down on his faith, but rather his faith is growing and is being expressed in a multitude of ways. And we see that over and over in his letters. Well, in verse 9, uh, again, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. What is he talking about there? He's talking about that their faith would grow up, that they would mature in their spiritual walk. You know, I, I think one of the things that we all recognize is that we have, uh, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we look at the scriptures and we don't fully understand everything that we read. When we interact with others and they're talking about things, we don't always understand 100%. When Pastor Brian is up here preaching, there's times when he, when he says something and his interpretation, and, and to be honest with you, uh, I've been a believer for over 40 years and there's times when, when he says something, it's like, I have to go back in and look uh, to see what it's saying because I'm learning all the time. And I hope you are as well. We never stop learning. We never stop growing up and maturing in our walk unless we choose to do that. But if we choose to be open and to receive the teaching, God constantly is feeding and giving us something new that challenges us, that helps us. And so here... Uh, Paul is saying to them, I want you to, uh, uh, my prayer that your love may abound more and more. What does abound mean? It means to grow. It means to be filled with more and more and more. And he wants it, he wants it to become abundantly clear as he interacts with these people. And as I said earlier, one of the things that 
that I believe that he's trying to teach us is that we should grow up in our faith. That we need to move from being infants to being those who have grown up and, and learned more. Now I will tell you that we never full, reach full maturity until we go to be with Christ. Uh, I, I would tell you that uh, I'm constantly learning. Pastor Brian and I have conversations. I know that he is constantly learning. Uh, just recently we were having a conversation and he, he shared how he, he was in some scripture and how he had never seen it that way before and how he had learned something new from that. And that's the way we should always be, all of us. You know, as I look out and I see some of you who are, are uh, older than I am, there's not very many anymore, but as I look out and I see those, I think about, you know, how deep your knowledge and love of Jesus Christ is. But I know, because I've interacted with some of you, I know that you're still growing and learning. There's always something new that we can learn about God from his word. And so Paul's encouragement here is, grow up. Stop being an infant in Christ. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, yes, you have that hope and that promise, and that is a future thing. But he wants us now to be growing up and to learn more and more about him. And you know what? The more we dig into his word, the more we realize there's a whole lot more to God than we ever imagined when we became believers. God's word is a challenge to us day after day after day. Just this week, I... Uh, I, I began reading in, in uh, Job. And I, I was reading yesterday. And it was like, uh, some, most of you know I read through the Bible every year. And I, and I got to this portion. I was like, I don't ever remember reading that before. Wow. This is really cool. And it was, it was Job's response. He had, he had lost his, his family, all of his children. He had lost everything that he had of, of any, you know, that made him wealthy. He had lost servants. He had lost all of his animals and everything else that he, that he owned. And his friends are sitting there with him and they're challenging him and, and, and kind of encouraging him. I, as I read it, sometimes I wonder how encouraging it really was. But, but I, I believe that's what their purpose was. And, and, and as you read in, in Job, you see the grace of God in, in Job as he, he just says, but I trust in God. I know that God still has my best interest at heart as he allows me to go through this. Well, we're to grow in our love, but oftentimes when we read a scripture like this, we stop, we stop at that in verse 9, uh, that my prayer, uh, it is my prayer that your love may abound. And we, we might stop there, but he continues on. And, and I'm not trying to minimize our love for one another. That's a, a huge a part of God's word. In fact, uh, I would invite you to turn to 1 John 3 with me, if you would. That's found on 12, 11. 1 John 3. And uh, we'll look at verses 10 through 15. So, growing in our love for one another and our love for God is very important and we need to remind ourselves of this. Let's look at verse 10 of chapter 3. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, 
that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the devil. I'm sorry, was of the evil one who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The challenge here is to love one another. But how are we to love? We're to love through the grace of God. In and of ourselves, I would frankly tell you that it's not natural that we love other people, especially those who, are not, uh, who do not show us any love. Very difficult sometimes to, to demonstrate any kind of love toward those people, but God has said that we are to love one another. Love our brothers. Love one another. We're to demonstrate God's love even to, to those people who are outside of the church. I think sometimes it's easier for us to love the people within the church. But we're to love people outside of the church as well. We're to interact with our neighbors and to encourage our neighbors and hopefully uh, invite them to a point where they will make a decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You've got to remember here that as Paul is writing this letter, he is writing to the church. These are people who are believers. So the things that he's challenging them to do are things that only the church can do. Things that only Christians can do. To abound more and more in the grace of God. To abound more and more in the love of God. It's not something that we should look outside of the church and expect others to do as well. As we grow up in our faith, what we're doing is we're becoming more like Christ. Well, how do I become more like Christ? Can I just say, well, uh, starting today, I'm, I'm going to uh, just go out there and, and be like Christ. No, I have to know what Christ was like in order for me to be like him, right? If you were to uh, say that today I'm going to go and become a mechanical engineer like Steve, right? Uh, what would I have to do? I would have to study up on becoming a mechanic. Steve didn't just go and say, well, uh, I'm going to go now and become a mechanical engineer. He went and studied to become that. Well, if we're going to become more Christ-like, if we're going to become Christians who demonstrate and model to other people what Christ is like, then we have to know more and more about Him. Where do we learn that? We learn it from His Word. Obviously, the, the one who will teach us and help us to understand it is the Holy Spirit working in us and teaching us. But we have to be in His Word. And, and frankly, I'm going to challenge you here a little bit on something. It's not enough for you to come here, as, as good as Pastor Brian's messages are, as, as, as much as they help us to grow, that is not enough to come here one hour on a Sunday and get taught from the Word of God. We have to study it. You need to take opportunities to learn, to be with others in Bible studies and, and, and in small groups and adult Bible fellowships. 
but also be in the Word yourself. And just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, teach me something new today. And I will guarantee you that every day that you ask that, every day you look in His Word, He will teach you something new. And my challenge to you today is grow up. Grow up in your faith. Be more and more like Christ. Don't remain an infant, but become more and more like Christ. Well, what was the purpose of this? I don't know if you picked this up or not, but at the end of verse 11, we really see the the crux of this whole section. He says, filled with the spirit with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you notice what it's not? It's not to the glory and praise of yourself. You know, it's it's not that when I get up and do something, you know, that oh, I can stand up here and take a bow, you know, the, the praise team. If you ever notice that the praise team, when we say amen or we maybe give them a hand clap or whatever, they don't stand up here and bow and, you know, oh, look at me. Rather, they give glory to God. And oftentimes, they'll just kind of slip down off of the, uh, off of the stage and, and, and go back out and worship with the rest of us. You see, it's not about glorifying yourself. It's not about receiving glory yourself. It's about giving God the glory in all that we do to bring Him the glory. Well, what model do we have of that? Well, Christ did it. In John chapter 17, verse 1, Christ is speaking to God and He says, Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Jesus Christ, God the Son, speaking to God the Father, says, glorify your Son with a purpose. Not so that, not so that everybody's going to bow down and, oh, he's all awesome, but rather what? Glorify the Son, that the Son may glorify you, Father. When you read verses like that, do you, do you recognize what Jesus Christ was doing? He constantly, constantly, constantly gave praise, glory, and honor to his Father in heaven. He didn't go about seeking praise and honor. He glorified God. He deflected it to God. He gave glory back to God through all that Jesus, all that God was doing in the life of Jesus Christ. Well, as we grow in our faith becoming more mature in our walk. We can't do it, as I said, by just saying, well, I think I'm going to do it, but rather there are some things that we need to to be doing. So I want to just go uh, through a few things here with us. And I, I put down first step and... Over the weekend, as I was thinking about this, really isn't, my term there isn't one that I'm really happy with, but it was too late to change the slide and, and, and the outline. Uh, because it's not like this is the first step. There's the first step, the first thing that we have to do is we have to recognize that uh, we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. And we have to trust that Jesus Christ is God's provision. God so loved the world 
that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save us while we were yet his enemies. While we were sinners, in opposition to God the Father, he still loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And Jesus Christ came, and it's such a, an amazing thing to think about. He came as a humble little baby. One of the things that's been really cool around here in the last several months is we've had all of these babies. I mean, we've had just a, a bunch of babies born. But this morning I'm looking and I see a couple of them being carried around and these little babies that were like just yesterday it seemed like they were this big are now like getting to be this big, you know, and they're just a bunch of beautiful little babies and little children, but they keep growing. I don't know how that works, but anyway... It, but isn't that amazing if you think about it? Jesus, God's son, came as a little tiny baby. He had to be taken care of by his mother. And it, it was not an overnight process. But he grew. He grew. And even as a young boy at the age of 12... He was at a place in the temple and he's interacting with, with the, the uh, people who were there and the parents are looking for him and they come, the, the people who he is interacting with were amazed at, at what he had to say as a 12-year-old and then his parents get there and he said, I had to be in my father's house. What did you expect? You get the sense there that Jesus recognized that he needed to be under some teaching as well. Yes, he was interacting. Yes, he was sharing. Yes, he was telling them things. But I'm sure he was also receiving the teaching from them. And he grew up. And he lived a perfect life. And that's, for if, if you're anything like me, you look at that and you say, how is that possible? How do you grow up and live a perfect life? <laughs> I'm so far from perfect that it's like, how can anybody live a perfect life, but he lived a perfect life. And they hated him, and they, they sent him to a cross, and they crucified him. And, and then some of his followers went to that cross, and they took him off of the cross. He was dead, and they buried him in a grave. And as he laid there in that grave, God came and raised him back to life again. And he was seen over a period of 40 days by hundreds of people. So in other words, there were, the, the reason the scripture tells us that is there were lots and lots of witnesses who could have told others about the fact that Jesus Christ had been raised back to life. And Jesus interacted with people and then he ascended into heaven. And he's still sitting at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven. When he died... And he was raised back to life and he ascended into heaven. He made a way for you and I, when we die in this mortal body, to receive an eternal life with him in heaven. That's an amazing gift. And so when I say the first step up here, the first step is believing and trusting that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. That he had done what the scripture tells us that he did. That's the first step. So I didn't want to confuse you in case you, you looked at this and think, well, wait a second, why are you starting here? But I'm talking about now as we're becoming more and more mature. How do we go from that infant who trusted Christ as our Savior to growing up into more mature Christians? 
Well, uh, one of the best ways to do that is to study God's Word. Uh, as I am more and more in the Word, the more I'm able to learn and discern uh, truths from God's Word. Um, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, I uh, just got a, a, a verse uh, or two to share with you here. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 11. And uh, that's found on page 1161 here in the Pew Bible. This is what uh, the writer says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Here's the purpose, verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, till we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint and with which uh, it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are individually to grow up. We're to grow up as a body of believers to be more and more mature so that we can fulfill what it is that God has called us to do. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us that we're to handle the word of truth correctly. Um, as we grow up, you know, sometimes people will then Assume that they know everything there is about the word and then they start to distort it and use it. But we're told to handle it correctly. Second Timothy says, study, study the word of God to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth means I'm handling the word of God correctly. I'm using it in such a way that I'm living it and giving an example to others about what it is all about. Well, the next step is that we put the word into practice. You know, sometimes I've come across people who have all kinds of scripture memorized. You know, whatever reason they've memorized all this scripture, they know it, they can recite it, they can tell you all about it, but they don't know how to live it. Well, one of the ways you learn to live it is you let the Scripture interpret the, the Scripture. Scriptures will help you to understand. So if you read something in the Word of God and you don't know exactly how to apply it, then you go to other Scriptures and you learn. But this, these verses also tell us that there are people who have been given the gift or the ability to be able to teach you and to help you to grow. So uh, what we are to do uh, with the Word is to follow it and to do what it tells us, not to be hearers only of the Word. One of the ways that the, root, the, that the Word of God takes root in our hearts, in other words, when we accept Christ and we start to grow and we're reading the Scriptures, the more we apply it, the more it becomes a reality in our hearts. It's more, it becomes more of an anchor, something that we can use 
uh, to, to grow off of, and it helps us to learn more and more uh, other scriptures as we go along. Scripture is given to all who would listen. The key there is would be willing to listen. And not everybody is willing to do that. So next is to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and give God the glory. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person in the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. And if we're opening, open to listening to what he has to teach us and tell us, we can grow more and more in our lives and be able to give glory to God. Jesus promised us the counselor in, in John chapter 14. I'm not going to turn to all of these verses because of time. But in John chapter 14, uh, it says that I, he says, I will send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who will come. And he comes with a purpose. He comes to teach us and to remind us of all of the things that Jesus Christ had taught. I love, I, I don't know about you, but I love sitting around and having a conversation uh, with believers about the Word of God. And, and I'm always amazed, you know, when, I'm, when we're sitting and we're having a conversation and, and all of a sudden somebody will say something and it's like about a scripture that we're talking about. And all of a sudden I'll like, wow, I never thought of it that way. That is so helpful. And we can teach one another because the Holy Spirit is in us and is teaching us what the Word of God is saying and helping us to understand it, to unfold it, and to apply it in our daily lives. But it all has to be done to the glory and praise of God the Father. We can't go around and beat people over the head with the Bibles. We have to live it out before them. We do it to the praise and glory of God that they will see Jesus Christ in us and be attracted to God the Father, attracted to Jesus Christ. Because they see that love, that commitment, that, that grace that only comes from God. They see that being lived out in our lives. And they want to share that with others as well. We live right now in a very uncertain world, don't we? As you began, as I, I started, I was talking about, you know, all of the frustration and the, the consternation and the angst that's going on out there about these people who are dying. And we see uh, uh, this morning on a, a couple of comments on Facebook, you know, I'm glad 2016 is over. Welcome 2017. They, they can't wait to get on to the next year. Well, there's no guarantee that 2017 is going to be better than 2016. The only thing that I can guarantee will be better, that's if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you make a commitment to following Him. And you make a commitment to making sure that you're growing up in your faith. And I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will come in and give you a perspective. I'm not saying that you still won't experience problems and difficulties and, 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 and all the other things that go uh, with life. I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you will have a different perspective on all of those things because you will have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, 
helping you to understand and to discern, to be able to cope with and encourage other people with God's Word, which is useful for us in all things. We are so blessed as we begin today, 2017. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, He wants you to grow up. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have a number of people here who would love to talk with you to help you understand what that's all about. So that you can take care of things in 2017 in a way that will help you to grow up and trust Jesus Christ with your eternity. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, you know that even in these few verses, we've just scratched the surface of all of the things that you teach. Lord, you are an amazing and an awesome God. We love you. We desperately need you. Lord, help us to grow up in our faith, to trust you more and more, to be more in your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that does teach us and remind us of things that Jesus Christ taught. Thank you, God, for your presence here with us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all of these who have been leading in various ways in this church service. And as we begin this year, be glorified in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.